0: Two guys, two topics, two opinions. You talk, give me two. This is the split story of the day on 97.5, 1280 the zone and the Zone Sports Network.
1: Every single game, you know, is important. I think, in addition to that, you know, we, we need to continue to get better. And you know, the the goal is, for, you know, if if there's games like tonight, we have to learn from them and be better that this team has done that you know i think we obviously can play better individually and play better collectively and if our focus goes there you know we'll
0: have an opportunity to win that game and you know obviously that's you know that's the idea
1: all right the jazz take on the timberwolves in minnesota tonight that game will tip at six pre-game coverage Uh, begins at five and it's kind of been a running theme on the station today Gordon that you know when you analyze this jazz team and you look at it you know kind of more broadly I know uh, we we get lost in the specifics sometimes but more broadly uh, the offense on this team has just got to get better you know before the season Gordon you were talking about how they had the possibility to be a top five offense and uh, a top five defense well
0: I said that that's what they needed to do something a uh, top five top 10 uh, in order to fulfill their potential I, I, I'm not sure that I absolutely made that prediction but but, but that it, was it, the conversation right yeah and, and, and it has and that. it hasn't happened yet far too inconsistent at the offensive end and uh, there's a lot of room for growth Quinn talked about that I do believe it is a process that's not just a cliche it's it we have an 82 game regular season. I think the journey that your team can go on is extensive. And I get it. If you have LeBron James and Anthony Davis, maybe maybe that's a bit of a journey as well. Those guys are awfully good, better than I think some people thought they were going to be. They have superstar players. The Jazz have a team, a new kind of a new nucleus that is moving forward into unknown territory. So we see the potential for the team, but it has not been actualized yet. And I think Quinn is having to be both, uh, what's the word, focused, forceful, but also understanding that the long term is what matters most. Uh, even though the West is tough and every game counts as far as playoff positioning goes, it doesn't matter where the Jazz are right now. It, it, it matters where they're going to be when come playoff time. And, and if they're hitting on all cylinders by then, they're going to be a lot of fun to watch. I agree, but they've got a ways to go offensively right now. Defensive rating number two in
1: the league at 100.7, which is which discount. is
0: kind of surprising, too. We didn't think it would be that good. Terrific number.
1: Uh the the Lakers right now the only defense that's uh, that's rated better and they've been stronger defensively than I thought, by the way. But uh anyway, terrific number for the Jazz. Can't ask for better. But offensive rating right now, Gordon, one hundred four point one, good enough for twenty sixth in the
0: league. Yeah, that's it, not it learned. was
1: better last year, and that, that that's gotta change.
0: And what's the whole thing that the Jazz did in the offseason? What was the theme? To get, get better offensively. Right. To get better scores, better shooters. And the shooters have not have not come through for the Jazz yet. I think that's true for every one of them. Uh, maybe Donovan Mitchell early on had some great outings, but that that outing the other night was. I don't know what that was, and neither did he because he was confused by it. He was absolutely convinced that he will not go five at 24. Again, we've talked about efficiency and how important that is for Donovan Mitchell. His team is counting on him to be the offensive anchor, and going five at 24, does uh, that's a loose anchor. I mean, the, the, the ship is floating away, and Bogdanovich was seven to 17, and he fouled out, and Joe Ingles. Has has just not been Joe. So what
1: you're saying about Donovan? Just to just to rewind just a sec. What you're saying about Donovan, I, I think is fair because he's the offensive leader of the team and and he's the star to that that they've got to rely on. But with that said. I think what that 26th inefficiency tells me is how much they've been relying on Donovan through the first part of this year. And that that Minnesota game the other night just revealed what's really been the problem. He He's back to his role last year where if yeah. he has a bad night, they are in deep trouble. Mm-hmm. And so it's – what, the focus is always going to be on Donovan, like I was saying, for those reasons. But but he is not the problem. Maybe he was part of the problem the other night because he didn't have a good fourth quarter well, he either, was, but He was part but, of the problem. He say was, the but, the,
0: but he can't prop up the whole team all year. But he can't go five or 24
1: either. Well, he if, can have an off night. That's the point. He's going to that, have an off that's night. That's more than but an off what night. But what do you do when he has an off night? How do you salvage a win against Minnesota? That's, that's what stands out to me. How do you still beat? And he was, he was good against Memphis, memory serves. So maybe that's a bad example. But when he
0: has an off night,
1: who's there to pick up the slack? Well, it's got to
0: be Bogdanovich. And it's got to be Joe Ingles. Where, where are those guys? Where were those guys? Joe in particular, Joe's shooting 30% from three. And what is he overall, 33%? That's, it. that's not good enough.
1: He's only taking six, seven shots a game. Well,
0: he was four of 12 the other night, hitting a third, hitting that kind of percentage, won't get the job done for the Jazz. And so these other guys have to step up. And I don't know whether it's a comfort thing or whatever, but the Jazz have lost two straight games to teams that aren't as good as the Jazz. And that's a punch in the gut. And so they have to regroup. And Donovan really set his jaw uh, the other night after the game. He... He was looking forward to tonight, and it's it's unique in that from that perspective because they get to play the same team that just beat them on their home floor, and so we'll see if it gets corrected in very plain terms tonight. So it's it's really worth watching to see how the Jazz respond to that. I talked earlier about how the Utes responded when they got beat. And uh, that's impressive. So if the Jazz respond uh, in a way that they're capable of responding, then that will be impressive as well. And then they get two winnable games at home. Of course, I say that with I don't know what's winnable and what isn't anymore. But then they have a tough five game roadie coming up, and so they have to they have to right the ship. They have to get the stuff together so that they can they can. Uh... Well, I remember something you said, Jake, before the season started. You said, and I think I agreed with you that the Jazz didn't have to get off to a blistering start, but they had to get off to an acceptable start. And 8-5, and five, I guess that's kind of acceptable, but what they can't do is fall into a funk and and then have to climb out of this large hole because it's too competitive in the West this time around.
1: Yeah, I, I agree. And they, acceptable is probably a good word for it because they got to make up some games here in this early part and they just finished so strong the past 2 years how how much can you rely on that type of finish? And this year, unlike last year, the schedule doesn't exactly line up for that type of finish. Remember last year, they just had so many easy games down the stretch to the point where we were having the discussion whether or not they were prepared for the playoffs because they didn't play anybody for the last month. Well, so- that's what happens
0: when your schedule's unbalanced, the way the Jazz's has been, where they've had these ridiculously tough schedules early on and then much easier later. And so what does that do? That confuses you about what the truth is. You might overreact early on and say wow how good is this team it's got a losing record and then they go on this impressive streak down the stretch and you're like wow is this team really this good well the truth is somewhere in between based on who you're playing right and when you're going up against playoff teams then well you're going to find the truth in a hurry because that's not going to be easy
1: no because you get everybody's max effort and you play the same team over and over again and you find out Who's the better team for real, especially at the end of seasons when people are resting and jockeying for position? You remember how wild the last uh, week of the NBA season was with teams basically losing on purpose, avoiding the Rockets, and Uh somehow, fluke of all flukes, (laughs) they fall to the Jazz? That was, I mean, that was ridiculous how that ended, but.
0: There's one other element that I am circling right now, and a lot of other people are as well, and that is the Jazz bench. It's got to be better. Joe Ingles has got to be better. Uh, Jeff Green has got to be better. Ed Davis is hurt, so they're looking forward to getting him back. Uh, but they, they, they have to – Moody, I think, has been a pleasant surprise, although he's had turnover problems. But he's uh, – he's, he's got potential I think to help the Jazz and where Dante Exum is and how he's going to bounce back and and whether he'll be able to reset himself as a viable Jazz player I I don't know I really don't know I'm clueless on that one
1: well we we kind of knew what the bench was going to be like going into the season and that's a little bit of the sacrifice they made to make the upgrades. We thought that they were making on offense because the bench is, is shorter. I mean, the coach Snyder's only playing four guys off the bench right now. I mean, George, George Niang hasn't played in I believe three consecutive games. Maybe he, well, four. he was
0: not playing particularly well. He was early.
1: not. So they've
0: the the bench rotation is is limited. And I mean, Tony Bradley's just. He, I'm sorry. He's. I know he's a young guy. Was he 21? He's he's just not ready yet, based on what. The sample size we've seen.
1: No, well, I mean he was he was the problem against the Grizzlies. And I again I don't want to single somebody out who's come as long as far as Tony Tony Bradley has come, but you're hundred percent right. He's not ready to play those minutes because they're just taking it at him, Gordon, every time he's on the floor, and he's just not prepared to to handle things defensively. The, the hustle is there. The want to is there. The attitude is there. I, I even dare say some of the skill set is there, but the, defensively, he's just getting taken advantage of. And you can't, I mean, it's like Stockton back in the day, Gordon. You can't lose the game every time John Stockton goes out on the floor. <laughs> or out off the floor, right, excuse me. Right. Uh, I mean, you've got to have somebody there capable of at least keeping things status quo or, or not losing the game when he comes into it.
0: He doesn't have the perfect form and ability for the modern game. You know, he's not particularly quick laterally. His anticipations just struggles in that regard a little bit. Uh, he does have some offensive skills, but I don't know. We'll we'll see how it how it goes. Part of the problem of everything that we're talking about here thus far, Jake, is the fact that the expectations were so high. Yep. And that, and maybe they should be high. I think uh, when a team has a certain talent level uh, then they need to be measured uh, a little uh, the standard needs to be stiff not not one of these deals where oh well, you know this is not the jazz team of three or four years
1: ago yeah. Let's talk some Utah football. It happened during the show. The news broke college football playoff rankings. Gordon, Utah comes in at seven. Oregon comes in at six. You heard Kyle Whittingham talk about uh, where his team's focus is right now. But it's, it is really hard not to look completely forward just because Arizona and Colorado are, are really not terrific. And the way Utah's playing right now, they should trounce both of those teams.
0: There, let me say it this way. There is no way. There is no freaking way the Utes lose before the Pac-12
1: championship game. Now, careful, because when you do this, you have a tendency to be wrong, and I don't want you to have to take the blame if something's
0: No, I, I got nothing to do with that. I'm just telling you there is no way that could possibly happen.
1: But what I'm telling you is you said the same thing about BYU-Wisconsin, and we know how that went.
0: That wasn't unfortunate for me. Yeah, Very that good was good for BYU. That was good for, for BYU. And but but this is different. This is an absolute slam dunk. And that was? That was a tomahawk dunk. Uh, okay. That bounced off the rim. It did. But uh, the, just, the point is that the Utes, uh, they are, this offense, Andy Ludwig deserves so much credit. What would have happened if he had shown up last year? Do you think? That, I mean, everything is working better with Andy Ludwig at the controls. The effect he's had on Tyler Huntley, the way the receivers have come around, and the tight ends. Uh, of course, you got Zach Moss back there doing. Uh, uh, it, it's just uh, it, this, it's a collection of NFL talent. The
1: so the question: Do I what would have happened if Andy Ludwig got here earlier? Is kind of a, an interesting one in my mind. I mean, there's no right answer to this whole thing, but part of me wants to say, and I, I didn't believe Troy Taylor was the greatest fit in no. Utah. I, I, didn't. I didn't. And
0: you did a lot of complaining about his, his uh, decision-making last year.
1: I, I did. So that's that's kind of where I'm coming from. That said, the other side of it. And kind you of waiting, think, let me tell
0: you what you're going to say. You're going to say that Andy Ludwig has benefited from the fact that he's got great tools with which to work.
1: Well, def- well, what I was going to say is really the month of October was really good for the Utes. And maybe that had to do with Tyler Huntley gaining experience and, and coming into his own. So I want to be fair to Troy Taylor by saying that month of October until Huntley got hurt was, was really something. So maybe we saw it coming around under Troy Taylor. Again, okay. just trying to be fair. But right. with that in mind, I think what Andy Ludwig has done is, is really remarkable in its simplicity. Because Troy Taylor, constantly, it felt like he was trying to jam a square peg into a round hole. You know, he was hired. He had this eastern Washington offense that was really not a good fit for Utah's personnel. And it was this constant kind of battle as to what would win, what philosophy would win out. Whereas Andy Ludwig's come in and he said, all right, here's what I've got. I'm going to figure out the best way to use everybody, and that's going to be my offense. And, and it,
0: it seems like simple logic, but that's what he's done. And he has the experience to do it. Let uh, let me make this analogy. All y'all out there right now listening, have you ever had a boss who you kind of, you had an idea of what he wanted, but the specifics weren't all laid out in front of you. So you had to guess. You had to guess a little bit. And you had just enough freedom to get blamed when things don't go exactly right, but you're trying to guess what your boss wants. I think that's sort of what was going on uh, last year and the year before with Kyle and, and Troy because Troy didn't have the confidence. He didn't have the experience. He didn't have the background to really be given free reign to do what he wanted to do and make smart, completely smart decisions based on the talent he had. And Kyle was always there. And I remember talking to Troy. and Troy said, oh, I've got complete freedom to do whatever. I No, you don't. No, you don't, because Kyle doesn't completely trust you. Kyle trusts Andy Ludwig, and Andy Ludwig he doesn't have to guess what Kyle wants. He knows what he wants, and he's got, he's got the, the background to be able to satisfy both himself and his boss. So that, that's what's happening here, and he has done a terrific job continuing the development of some of these players. It's funny, even talking to Mike Leach, I always refer to the, a couple conversations I've had with him. He said running backs are kind of born. Uh, they have they, either you're going to be good or you're not. I was watching highlights of Barry Sanders the other day. You don't coach that. What what a talent! He may be one. Of, he may be the best running back I've ever seen. Unbelievable what he could do. You don't coach that. It, it, quarterbacks you coach. Quarterbacks you bring along. Quarterbacks you teach. You teach to make good decisions, to have good field vision, to to uh, be a leader, all that stuff. And Tyler Huntley has come around in that way. And I have to give mentorship credit for that. Or at least some. Uh, obviously, Huntley himself deserves a, a, a large measure of that credit as well. But And then we talked about his receivers have come around, Jake. And then on defense, I mean, that speaks for itself, what we've seen there. Well and
1: defense has never been the issue for Utah. The reason they haven't won the PAC 12 thus far has certainly not been the defense. It's been the offense and more specifically the quarterback play. Well, think
0: about the championship game last year. Right. I was there to cover that and they just did not have enough offense. They, they, they could not win that game. Uh, I guess they could have, but uh, it didn't happen because they didn't have the offense they have this year.
1: Now here's where I'm going to give wit a lot of credit and actually I'll give Chris Hill a lot of credit too, in a way. Um, and in Gordon, you know that uh, I'm rarely wrong, and when I am, I, I never like to admit it. But I had <laughs> rarely
0: an, is a relative term.
1: I had an issue with with, with starting Huntley over Troy Taylor because I did believe, and I still believe to this day, or not Troy Taylor, Troy Williams, excuse me. Right. I still believe to this day that Troy Williams was the better quarterback at the time than Tyler Huntley. All right, I believe that. But what happened was Witt got a contract extension. He felt comfortable. He saw this year coming. He looked down the line with with his players getting older and when he was going to be a senior-laden team and said, okay, I'm going to build for this year. Now, he never admitted publicly, but that's what he did. He started Tyler Huntley. He said, I I need to have a quarterback by 2019 that can get the job done. So I'm going to throw this sophomore to the Wolves. I'm going to let him get experience. I'm going to let him take his lumps. And by the time we get to 2019 and have the team around him to do something special, he's going to be pretty darn good. And that's exactly
0: what happened. Well, that's, that's right. And he spoke highly of Tyler Huntley when he was a freaking freshman because he saw what he could do. And we've talked about it before. Kyle always thinks the most difficult quarterbacks to deal with are the ones who can run, who are mobile enough to hurt you on the ground and talented enough to hurt you through the air.
1: Ironically and, enough, he hasn't run very much this year.
0: Well, I mean, but he has the capability of it, and so Tyler Huntley is a large part of what's going on here. But but the defense is sort of the bedrock upon which everything is built, like you said, and that is beyond impressive. I mean, the gave up a little more yardage on the ground than I expected them to against the Bruins, but uh, they made up for it by uh, tackles for loss and sacks. was like 80 yards. So the UCLA ended up with 50 yards rushing. I mean, what do you do with that? Right. So, and by the end of that game, DTR was totally lost. He didn't know what was going on on the field because the huge defense baffled him and beat him up. Uh, DJ, by the way,
1: uh, David James, Texas. Thanks for listening, DJ. He's got some stats for us because that's oh, good. DJ. Uh, Arizona gives up 37 points per game, rated uh, 123 out of 130 teams. Uh, he On says, defense, uh, yeah, he says Utah scores 45 points at least.
0: Well, let's let's think about what our friend Greg Hansen said about Arizona.
1: That they're the worst defensive team ever. <laughs> I don't remember his quote exactly. Uh, his,
0: but. Well, his quote, and we we probably still have them, Austin. I'd, I'd like to hear them because they, they, they make me smile. But I think they're absolutely. You know as how true it is when you today, go to a training camp, you, you see, you only hear the good stuff. On defense, you don't hear any good stuff from Arizona. <laughs> uh, at the best, I think they'll be average.
1: You think uh, Kevin Sumlin makes it out of this this year?
0: I I don't know. Would they, they
1: Would they uh, drop kick him after only two years?
0: I would give him a little more time, but you know. And their secondary is oh, a bunch of guys named Joe.
1: The funny thing is, is that Rich Rod didn't do a bad job. I, I hear people talk about this. He didn't necessarily do a bad job at Arizona. They won a division title. They were a decent program, but his personal life was such a mess. That they had to move on from Richrod, whereas Kevin Summerlin, I don't think he's doing a good job with the
0: program. I mean, it's a sinking ship. I can't get enough of this stuff. You'll see. You'll see on, on Saturday. I'm not just being negative. This is going to be a really bad season. Yeah.
1: Well, it seems to be true again. History Maybe, seems he, to be repeating <laughs> itself. They've recruited so
0: poorly. I love the one about the uh, the small. We asked him whether he could say anything positive at all, and he said there was some guy who was undersized and slow. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, Their goes tackle is like the nicest kid I've ever met. You would think that the, the cats would be able to recruit a little better. I mean, you can go to worse places than UVA. You could. It's
1: true. I agree with you. I think have you
0: ever have you ever been down on that campus? I've
1: been to Tucson. I don't know if I've been
0: on that campus. The campus is is better than Tucson. Okay, so the campus is nice. Yeah. Oh. And they have certain things down there that like football players might be attracted to.
1: Yeah, but I thought of that about Arizona State for years and they stink too. <laughs> well we'll see. <laughs> yeah, that's a great point. Both those schools should be really, really good. You would think so. Yeah. I don't know what the deal is. But PK t- keeps telling me nobody cares about uh, ASU football or Arizona football. So It's nobody... because
0: it's a pro town now. Back in the day, it wasn't. Back when it was just sort of a dusty town, you know, sagebrush rolling through. Now it's uh, a large metropolis that has, you know, it has teams of every pro sport, every pro league there is. So the Sun Devils, the, you know, Frank Cush is not around anymore, and the Devils aren't what they once were. Want to remind you about
1: our friends at Diamond Airport Parking. Don't take the bus toward the airport parking lot. Diamond offers uh, covered self-parking, covered valet parking, open valet parking, 24-7 car-to-curb shuttle service. Diamond Airport Parking since 1922, just off I-80 and Redwood Road. Park, ride, and save Diamond Airport Parking. Uh, We are live. We're at a homey home today, and we invite you to come by and see us in South Jordan, 10291 South Chestnut View Court. Uh, Come grab a jazz t-shirt. We've got tons of jazz gear. And, of course, check out homie.com and how they can uh, save you money if you're buying or selling a home. We'll have more coming up next on The Big Show, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone.